Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey guys, welcome back to Around the Arc, I'm Jamie, and this week we are back to normal after a slightly shorter episode last week, we're getting back into it as per usual again this week, so we've got a ton of stuff to talk about today, we're gonna, we're gonna take a look at the state of Golden State, um, what their, what their future looks like now after the NBA Finals. We'll get into the the Anthony Davis trade and how it affects both the Lakers and the Pelicans. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But to start off today, I feel like I want to spend a little bit of time just talking about the Raptors after their unbelievable season, which was capped off last week with an incredible six-game Finals win over the defending champs, the dynasty Golden State Warriors. I mean, it was was just an unbelievable run, an unbelievable season. So what I thought I'd do, I'd just sort of go through, go through the team talk a little bit about, about the key players and, and kind of what they, what they did, what they did to contribute to this kind of magical magical run that they went on now with the raptors basically from day one this year everything has started with Kawhi leonard the best player on this team and now arguably the best player in the world now looking back to last year you see the narrative surrounding Kawhi. it took a major hit in san antonio with all that with all that controversy going on surrounding his remember his injury the, the you know the complications that that occurred after he sustained that injury in the in the playoffs in 2017 remember Zaza Pachulia kind of undercut him on the on a jump shot say there was all that controversy about the injury that basically kept him out the entire season all but nine games um and I guess his reputation really took a hit, which is why is it was considered kind of a risk for Toronto to to go after him. That and it was it was looking like it's going to be a one year rental. But now the script has kind of flipped again as um, 
as Kawhi led the Raptors and essentially Canada to their first ever NBA title. And not only that, but he had one of the single greatest individual playoff runs that we have seen. I mean, I'm sure you know throughout the playoffs, you know, he was drawing comparisons to the likes of Kobe and Michael Jordan. And as I mentioned earlier, he's now arguably the best player in the world because of it. And it was not only that, but he was also playing through much of the stretch run, you know, the second half of the conference finals and the finals noticeably hobbling you know he sustained that leg injury against the bucks and i mean just what what a story what a kind of redemption story what a kind of 180 flip that we've seen you know when it comes to the narrative surrounding Kawhi. it's just an incredible story and regardless of where he goes in free agency i think he he owes Toronto nothing now. He's kind of almost been immortalized in in Raptors history, and he's done that in only one season, which is just incredible. I mean, he accomplished in one year what no Raptor in history could ever accomplish, and for that, yeah, he definitely he doesn't owe Toronto anything more after this. I think if he leaves. It should be on the best of terms after, you know, everything, all the things he accomplished for, for the city the, and kind of basketball in Canada overall. That being said, though, I still think he should stay with the Raptors in free agency, but that's, that's a topic for another day, which uh, I'm sure we'll get into in the next few weeks. Moving down the line, Kyle Lowry who at this point can probably be considered as one of the greatest Raptors ever. Definitely one of the greatest Raptors, arguably the greatest Raptor after after what he's done for them this year. I mean, I think the main story surrounding, surrounding Lowry in this year's playoffs is that playoff Lowry just seems to be a thing of the past. It seems that, seems that he exercised his playoff demons this year and really kind of broke through so to speak and really really put all those infamous playoff struggles in the past and you know he seems to really come full circle i think in in his nba career i mean you look at early early on in in kyle's career he did show flashes of becoming an elite point guard but he could never seem to put everything together on a on a consistent basis whether it be because of injury or, or something else uh holding him back but then after being traded to toronto he ended up becoming one of the top point guards in the nba but even after that like uh, like i've just mentioned he did uh get his fair share of criticism for for coming up small in the playoffs and big moments but now i mean with a with a ring with an nba title I think Lowry's managed to kind of validate himself and as I said put those put those playoff demons in the past. Yeah, just the the way the way his season ended as well in uh, in game 6 where he had arguably the best game he's ever had in his career. Definitely the best first half. I mean, he really set the tone in that game with his 
ultra aggressiveness and his shot creating his his distributing he was just doing everything for them in game six and really the last two rounds of the playoffs he was just instrumental and i would say without without lowry's play they would not be nba champs right now next up pascal siakam i mean he's he's another great story on this raptors team i mean he's probably going to be the most improved player this year i mean he definitely is the the most deserving candidate um and he's really kind of come out of nowhere this year and established himself as a true two-way star especially in the playoffs and he really had some of his brightest moments in the finals against the warriors in particular in the in the, in the final series um siakam he really seemed to be a, a great barometer for whether for whether toronto would win or lose as you see in his numbers in the in toronto's four finals wins and pascal he was putting up around 24 points eight and a half rebounds four assists while shooting he was shooting 59 percent from the field and he was knocking down 36 percent of his threes Compare that to their two losses where he averaged just 12 points and six boards and shot just 33% from the field, and he didn't even make a single three in those losses. And you can just see how important he was to Toronto's success. I mean, going forward, it's kind of... It's a little bit tricky to, to tell what Siakam's ceiling is as a player, given, I mean, he's already what, 24, 25, but given the amount he's already improved in his first couple of seasons, I don't think it's crazy to expect another leap out of him going forward in the next year or two where he can become a legitimate kind of all-NBA threat on a on a yearly basis. I think uh, a pretty reasonable explana- ex- explanation, sorry, comparison for for Pascal Siakam would have to be a, a more offensively skilled Draymond Green because he's certainly Pascal. I mean, he certainly got the kind of defensive chops and versatility where he could legitimately assert himself to being one of the one of the top defenders in the league. And then on offense, we've seen flashes of how how dominant he can be on that end. Um, so definitely, even if even if Kawhi leaves in free agency this year, I'd still feel good being the Toronto Raptors, given that I would have Siakam going forward as kind of a young star to continue to build around. Fred Van Vliet, he's another guy who was just instrumental in this in this Raptors title. I mean, it seemed to be after he. Um, after he had a kid during the during the Eastern Conference Finals, it seemed his play just totally flip flopped and turned around. I mean, uh, in case you don't remember, he was really struggling up until that point, but then uh, Conference Finals rolls around and suddenly he can't miss. He's Kyrie Irving or something, and this this just continued through through the finals, um, where he he hit some really gutsy big time shots especially i think in game six the closeout game where he just took over in the fourth quarter i think he had what 12 of his 22 points in that period and 
I think every every championship team wants a guy like this, a guy like Van Vliet, a guy who really relishes the moment and comes through for you in the games and situations where they where they need you the most and they'll kind of they'll they'll play they'll outplay their expectations. Mark Gasol, he was that he was the vital addition to the Toronto team at the the trade deadline earlier in the season. I mean, when he came over, he brought, you know, legitimate legitimate floor spacing at the five and and really brought another playmaker, a passer, a distributor to the team as well, which really just opened up their, their entire offense. And I think Gasol, he showed in the playoffs especially that he was more than okay not being the go-to offensive guy like he was in Memphis. I mean, he was he did all of the little things for the Raptors and was he was huge on the defensive end as well and was really another vital piece to this to this puzzle and I think his value can't really be overstated. I mean, I would go as so far as to say that if they if they don't trade for Gasol at the deadline, I would say they don't make the NBA Finals. Serge Ibaka, he's another guy that came up huge in the latter stages of of the final specific, uh, specifically where uh, in games kind of four to six, it really seemed like he he just couldn't miss um, all that. He he provided a major spark on the defensive end as well, and he's he's another example, just like Gasol. He's another guy who saw his role and his minutes decrease even over the course of the season. Um, when when Gasol came over, he saw Ibaka was moved to the bench, but instead of kind of sulking and pouting about it, he continued to contribute and just play his behind off in the in the minutes that he was given. Um, moving down the list, uh, Danny Green, although he didn't have the best individual playoff run, I mean he went through a couple of couple of pretty major shooting slumps, but he. Um, despite struggling at times, he he had his moments and was still a, a really important part. Uh, this team, especially, you know, the perimeter defense that he provides. He's one of the top perimeter defenders in the league still, and he was he was one of the best three point shooters in the regular season. He was a little bit more streaky in the playoffs, but he still had his moments. Like I said, especially uh, what was it, game three or four. I forget the finals where he went off for like six threes and eighteen points. Uh, so he he still gave he still gave this team a real boost when when it was called upon. And kind of the final rotation piece, I feel like I should mention for the Raptors, Norman Powell, who he did have a couple of nice moments in the finals, but his his time to shine really came against the Bucks in the conference finals, where he really gave the team a major lift on both ends. I mean he, he provided a real offense he provided a real offensive spark as well. Um so he definitely shouldn't be forgotten when talking about this this Raptors championship team. And then other than the players, obviously Nick Nurse, he deserves a ton of credit for the coaching job he did in what was his first ever NBA campaign as a head coach. I know um it's a bit misleading to call him a rookie head coach given his near, what, 30 years coaching experience elsewhere. But still, an incredible job. 
that he did overall with this team. And then Masai Ujiri, the guy who built the team, the guy who brought Kawhi to town, he definitely deserves kind of a shout out for putting this uh, this championship team together. And before, just before we move on, I'd just like to heap one more bit of praise on one of the guys for this team, and that is Patrick McCaw, who, if you don't remember who he is, he is a third-year player, and now, despite only being in the NBA for three years, he already has the same number of rings as Steph Curry and LeBron James. Three seasons, three titles. I mean, it's looking like he's going to be having a a kind of Bill Russell career at this rate. And, I mean, who knows? He sticks around on Toronto. Kawhi comes back. You never know. He could make it four for four. We'll just have to see. But there you go. All the major pieces that contributed to this this Toronto championship, which was just... I mean, incredible to watch, unpredictable, and just kind of a kind of a dream run that you don't see all that often in sports. The same can't quite be said for Golden State, though, who I'm uh, going to get into now, looking at the the losing side of the finals, and now we're going to take a look at kind of where the Warriors can go from here and what their what their future looks like after. Kind of a disappointing and in in many ways kind of a devastating end to their season. So let's just roll the clocks back to kind of when this this uh, iteration of the the Golden State Warriors was formed back in back in 2016. So I'm sure you might have heard me uh, ramble on before about this but I've I've not been I've not been the biggest fan of the Warriors to be honest especially you know since Kevin Durant joined in 2016 but I have to say I have a newfound respect for for Durant and this entire Golden State Warriors team after after the 2019 NBA finals I mean the the way that they fought and continued to play through through all of the injuries that they sustained in the in the in the playoffs and the finals as well from you know from KD's ruptured Achilles to to Boogie's injury that kept him out most of the playoffs Kevon Looney's broken collarbone that he played that he even played through in the finals Eggy was a bit hobbled at times and then I think the final nail in the coffin for Golden State was when Clay Thompson went down with that ACL tear in Game Six. I mean, that's not that's not the way any team wants to go out. It's not. It's something that nobody should want to see in sports. I mean, no matter no matter if you're rooting for the opponent or 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 anything, you just you don't want to see this many injuries. You know kind of deplete a team this this much especially you know a dynasty like golden state but despite losing and despite all these injuries the warriors they went out like they like they should have done they went out they went out scrapping and fighting right until literally the last minute in game six where which is what it came down to that the last shot that 
that Steph Curry unfortunately missed. And and I think for me the standout moment was after Clay went down and he went back to the tunnel and then well after he was informed that he needed to, you know, shoot the free throws to have a chance to stay in the game. That moment where he hobbled back onto the court to shoot his two free throws and then the fact that he tried to stay in the game to play defense on that next possession, that that almost flipped, completely flipped the way I the way I looked at Golden State and that that group as a team, I mean, ultimate respect for that. I mean, it was it was emotional. It was inspiring, and it was just it was just really cool to see all that kind of unfold in the way it did in what would end up being the last game ever played in that home arena. As you know, the the Warriors they're moving to San Francisco for the start of next year. But all that aside, though, they did come up short. Golden State, they did come up short in the finals. So we're going to look at where they can go from here and if they can get back to this point, if they can get back to the finals and get back to kind of contending on a yearly basis. So first off, I think what they're going to need to do, or I think what they what they already have done, I think they're going to offer Durant and Clay both full four or five year max contracts. But even if they do re-sign those two, they're both going to miss at least the majority of next season. So you can't expect that the dubs are going to really be in a position to contend next year. Um, And I mean, it's not even looking that likely that, that Durant's going to be on this team going forward anyway, despite them likely going to be offering him the max. I mean... The prevailing opinion throughout NBA circles just seems to be that he's he's out of there, maybe to the Clippers, the Knicks, or or the Nets, or some other team. I mean, it's looking more likely that Clay's going to stick around and sign the extension, and I think it's definitely feasible to expect him to make a full recovery from this ACL tear. So, so I think once the, once uh, Golden State's kind of core returns to full strength, I think it just becomes a matter of them filling out the roster around the around the Splash Brothers and if they can ace that, I mean they're they've proven they're a really good organization, really competent one. So if they can ace that, then I think definitely they'll have a few more contending years before this kind of Steph, Clay and Draymond era comes to an end for for real. I know it feels kinda like that at the moment, but um and now speaking of Draymond uh, when you're looking at his situation, I mean, yes, he, he did have a pretty amazing playoff run, but when you're looking at me, he's not he's not the same defender he was a couple of years ago. That and his perimeter shooting has kind of fallen off a cliff and doesn't seem to be getting any better anytime soon. That and he, he also becomes a free agent at the end of next season where I mean we don't know how he's going to fare next year but he'll 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 be demanding a lot of money no doubt and 
and and I'm not I'm not saying that he can't contribute. I still think an older, less athletic Green, he can still be a vital piece of Golden State's future and their title chances going forward. But I think a real question's gonna start cropping up for for them as a as a franchise, and that's gonna be is it worth kind of overpaying him to keep him around, or is it is it better trading him maybe sooner? rather than later that's something that we're going to see unfold over the next few months to a year um and i bring that up because as a team golden state's financial situation i mean it's not pretty and it's it's going to become more and more expensive for them to keep this core together i mean they're going to have to set some records in terms of uh, you know, the cost of their team's salary and going into the luxury tax and all that, they're going to have to, you know, break some new ground to, to kind of keep this this core together. So, uh, like, going forward, this, this puts extra pressure on, you know, every single contract they sign, every single player they bring in, however small the contract is, because going forward, there's not going to be the same margin for error that there was before especially if kd is gone and with with draymond's contract coming to an end and clay needing to recover from injury you know there's all that extra pressure plus you know all these guys are going to be getting older as time goes on no that's obvious to point out but that's still something to keep in mind and that's it's definitely not going to get any easier for them going going forward on the plus side though they do they do have i think nearly all of their draft picks for the for the next few years um which they'll either be able to use as trade assets to be making kind of small small kind of title contender moves or you know they'll be able to use them to begin building for the future and begin you know preparing for a future you know without staff and without clay i know that's still a ways away but as those guys begin to age, you know, they're going to have to start looking looking to the future at some point. So, I think, in conclusion, Golden State, they're still going to be a good team. You know, they're still going to be, they're still going to be right there. Even next year, I think they're, they're definitely going to be a playoff team. And if they manage to return to full health while still doing a, a pretty decent job of filling out the rest of the roster around Curry and Thompson, then yes, I think they can become real contenders again. Um, but at least for the time being, you know, the next year at least, the NBA and especially the Western Conference, you know, it's been it's been blown wide open. So it's kind of anyone's game and we're going to be looking at one of the major players uh in the western conference going forward we're going to be talking about them in a little bit and the trade that they've just managed to pull off but first i thought i'd thought i'd just hit you with a quick bold prediction coming in to next season and that will be that Kawhi, Kawhi leonard will re-sign with the Toronto Raptors. It's what I think he should do. It's what I've it's what I, since they made the finals really. It's what I think he, he should have done since then. And yeah, I'm just gonna have to wait and see if if um proved right going forward. But back to 
was now our final topic of the episode, and that is, like I was saying, the new the new major player in the Western Conference, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers, who have just pulled off what might turn out to be one of the biggest trades in NBA history. So it's finally happened. It was a little unexpected how quickly this would happen, but it's finally happened. Anthony Davis is a Laker. He's been traded to LA in exchange for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the number four pick in this year's draft, as well as two other picks and two two pick swaps, I think, in I think twenty twenty three and twenty twenty five. So that was a pretty major haul that the Pelicans received for AD. Um, but LA got their man. They got their man, and they did, and they did so without even giving up Kyle Kuzma, which I'll, uh, which I'll talk about in a in a wee minute here. Um, but yeah, I think the the biggest question that's been circling since the trade was done, I think, um, has been: Did the Lakers give up too much to get AD? And you know, this seems to have divided, you know, people people in the in NBA circles, you know, some some think no, some think yes. I'm on the side, absolutely not. I don't think they've given up too much to get AD. I mean, you look at them now, they have two top five players in LeBron and AD, and two guys who could each legitimately be in with a shot of being recognized as the best player in the world next year. Now, that's not a loss. And not only that, like I mentioned... The Lakers, they also managed to keep Kyle Kuzma in this deal, which is a great move. I know Kuzma, he's not a superstar. He's not an all-star yet, though he could he could uh, blossom into one. I think if he keeps improving, he could be the third option on a championship team, on this team, on this Lakers team, um, you know, with, with James and, and Davis, numbers number one and two, obviously. I mean, with Kuzma, I can see him being a kind of a more versatile and a more valuable version of the Kevin Love that LeBron had when he was in Cleveland. You know, you know, Kuzma, as long as he, you know, improves his outside shooting, he's a really good scorer, versatile scorer off the dribble catch and shoot. Um, he doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. You know, fit fit really well with AD and LeBron. And he's more versatile defensively than Love was as well, being able to to step out onto the perimeter and guard guys as well. So I think that's definitely an underrated part of this move. Now, the question really becomes for the Lakers, how do they fill out the rest of the roster in in the summer and in, in the offseason free agency? Now... Of course, there has been talk from myself as well about Kyrie potentially signing with the Lakers, although recent rumors are suggesting he's he's more interested in Brooklyn. Um, so with that with that news, LA has apparently turned its attention to Kemba Walker, who he could be a great third star next to this dynamic duo, but. Um, apart from finding another star, and maybe, I think, maybe instead of finding another star, what they should do, what the Lakers' priority should be, is on surrounding LeBron and AD with shooters and defenders, you know? 
and they've got they've got plenty of cap flexibility still remaining so they have the ability to do just that and i think that could be more valuable you know filling out the roster with you know with veterans 3 and D guys and really solid role players and starting caliber players you know filling the roster out with those guys i think might be more more beneficial to their to their success than than maybe going after one guy like a Kemba Walker. Yeah, like so instead of trying to integrate a third star player, you know, they should they should focus on filling their roster out with you know, take a look at guys like Patrick Beverly or or Trevor Ariza or Danny Green, you know, all these guys who would who would just be perfect teammates for for Anthony Davis and LeBron in particular, I mean, we've seen over over the course of his 15-plus year career that whenever LeBron has shooting and defending around him, that's almost an, un, an impossible lineup to defend. And now when you throw in a guy of AD's caliber into the mix, I mean, it just becomes that much more of a Herculean task to defend that. So considering that, and and let's imagine for a sec they do they do a pretty competent job at filling out the rest of this roster. Where would they land among the NBA's elite teams? You know, that becomes another question. And I think as long as they don't screw up the rest of free agency, the you know, like they the way they botched their head coaching search, then I think the Lakers should enter next season with as as good a shot as any team of winning it all i think the pairing of ad and lebron looks to be you know positively unstoppable once they you know develop their chemistry and get used to playing with one another and then adding plenty of perimeter shooting and veteran leadership and and defense onto the roster and i would argue that the Lakers are actually going to be favorites to win it all. In fact, actually, I think I saw somewhere just after the AD trade was completed, they're, they're actually already uh, title favorites for next year, which says a lot given that they've not done any other moves yet to, to fill out the rest of the roster. So I'm calling it right now. The Lakers 2020 NBA Championship gonna happen people it's gonna happen i mean maybe i'm just feeling a little too overconfident after successfully picking toronto to win it all this year but i don't know just got just got a feeling lebron and ad expect oh i'm expecting great things from them but now if we just jump for a second to the other side of the trade the pelican side now it's easy to look at look at the deal and look at them losing out on Anthony Davis and automatically saying that they lost this trade. I mean, especially especially since they didn't manage to get Kuzma in the deal either. But, I mean, when you look at the situation they're in now, they are in a terrific position to rebuild and kind of return to relevance and maybe even title contention sooner rather than later. I mean, you've got you've got Lonzo Ball now, who can he can be a triple double threat on a nightly basis. He's one of the best defensive point guards in the league, and he can definitely be the Pelicans' point guard of the future. You know, going forward, as long as he you know continues to 
to develop and kind of tap into that insane potential he's got. Uh, Brandon Ingram, he took a big step in the second half of last season, and as long as his health holds up, um, he'll be looking to build on that as, you know, you look at him, his potential is still through the roof as as a two-way player, you know, you forget. You look at his offensive capabilities and forget just how versatile a defender he can be as well. Um, you got Josh Hart, who's a, a great 3 and D guy. He's still got a lot of room to grow himself um, uh, shooting-wise, and, and obviously with experience, he'll, he'll become more... Uh, He'll become more comfortable in the defensive end as well. And I think another thing with Hart, this is why I, I was I was saying the Lakers should try and hold on to him in a in a potential AD trade. He's a he's a very underrated slasher to the basket, and he can be a real threat in transition as well, which would go which is going to go perfectly with the other pieces of this team, especially. Zion Williamson, who we all think is going to be the Pelicans' number one selection in this year's draft. And, I mean, he just has the potential to be a generational, transcendent-type player in the NBA. You got that. And also, the fourth pick, I feel I should mention, that that, uh, that could turn into a nice piece, too, for New Orleans. I mean, maybe a guy like DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish, you know, if they're willing to make a little bit of a gamble. I mean, ideally it would be a a wing player that can knock down shots because for everything that, that New Orleans has going for it right now, outside shooting looks to be the main issue for them, at least initially. I mean... I think Josh Hart can be a good shooter as long as he continues to improve. Uh, Ingram has the potential to be a decent shooter, and then one guy who I haven't mentioned yet is still on the still on the Pelicans, and that's Drew Holiday. You know, kind of the veteran guy for this young team. He's still an All Star caliber kind of two way combo guard who can do a little bit of everything. I mean, he's got some shooting touch on him as well, but uh, he can be a little bit streaky. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, the Pelicans, they are going to need to improve their spacing. But on the plus side, this team, they have all the makings of a dominant defensive squad, as well as being just utterly devastating in transition as well. You know, just imagine Lonzo leading the break and then you got Hart and Ingram and Zion filling the filling the lanes. I mean, that's going to be a scary transition attack. And really, if they can if they can sure up some of their outside shooting, then God, the Pelicans are set, man. Maybe maybe they're even more set when looking at the long term picture, even more so than the Lakers are. So I think definitely don't think they lost this trade, despite giving up the best player. And yeah, in conclude, yeah, they may not have gotten the best player in the deal, but I would argue that they are better built for the future, for maybe contending for multiple championships 
going going down the line. Now, obviously, this is all predicated on if if Zion lives up to the hype, which it certainly seems like he's going to. If he can become the transcendent type player that he is definitely capable of becoming, then honestly, watch out for this for this New Orleans team in the next few years. I think definitely next year they're going to be they're going to be a great league pass team. But past that, I mean, the, the, they're beginning to build something here. As long as they can keep their pieces and keep their health and everything. Definitely big things coming in the future for them. And with that, that brings us to the end of today's episode, guys. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Really, really means a lot. And if... Uh, you want to uh, catch me on Twitter at Around the Arc Pod? You can uh, you can head over to SirCharlesInCharge.com for for all the the daily articles that that me and the other writers there post about everything going on in the NBA. Uh, also, be sure to to leave a review of the podcast if you're liking it. If you're if you're getting something out of it, you know five-star review does go a long way to helping out and if you have any thoughts suggestions comments any of that's more more than appreciated more than welcome and other than that guys hope you have a awesome week and i will see you back here again same time next week for more for more nba shenanigans all right we'll catch you then Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.